Seasons change. Why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale event and save on select PCs, like the XPS 16, powered by Intel Core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive projects to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's dell.com deals. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Should say the world traveler Rashawn McDonald because I've been all over this country this week. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host Rashawn McDonald. Now, let me tell you about Money Making Conversations. Each Money Making Conversations show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. They in turn deliver information about career planning, motivation, financial literacy, and how they lead a balanced life. Appearing on the show today is Rich Dennis, founder of Shea Marchter, founder and chairman of Essence Ventures, which includes Essence Magazine and the incredible Essence Festival. Lanier Richardson, 
Executive Director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers Business School. Drew Bledsoe, retired NFL quarterback and owner of Bledsoe Family Winery. And Melissa Harvell LeBron, the first African-American female NASCAR team owner. That's a lot. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Oh, money making conversations. <laughs> My first guest is the professional practice instructor and executive director of the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development at Rutgers Business School in Newark, New Jersey. Please welcome to money making conversations, Lanier Richardson. <laughs> Good morning, sir. I, as a, I, I, I have a lot to say, don't I? <laughs> you do have a lot to say, but I am a, a, elated to have the opportunity to talk to you this morning. I, I appreciate that because uh, what you do is what I'm promoting, what I'm trying to get people to understand, the value of entrepreneurship. So off the jump, what is an urban entrepreneur and why are they important? When you, when you look at the genre of communication that you're trying to put out there as an instructor at, uh, at Rutgers Business School, what is an urban entrepreneur? So every day I wake up and think about how to make uh, communities better. So when we think about urban entrepreneurship, we think about it as both place and race, actually, mm-hmm. and being unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. So our focus is helping people understand and see value in places where people overlook. Right. And, you know, cultivating entrepreneurial thinking fostering economic development projects, really making the connection between entrepreneurship and the important role that entrepreneurs play in revitalizing communities. And so, you know, we started our center now 10 years ago. Congratulations. And the focus initially was around what was happening in Newark, New Jersey, around the Rutgers campus in Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We, you know, creating more entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs own property. I spent a lot of time of late focusing on the impact that these entrepreneurs make in terms of hiring people, paying taxes, you know, really being a champion for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because people often overlook them. So we need more people thinking about how to start businesses and grow businesses and own property and employ people and contribute to the little league team, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, and be role models. Right, right. Well, now the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development, the C-U-E-E-D, what exactly right. is that? Lanier. So, so it is, I, I'm happy to chat. It's the first center of its kind in the nation to really integrate scholarship, academic scholarship, mm-hmm. with private industry and government and nonprofit sectors with the sole purpose of stimulating economic growth and community revitalization in densely populated areas. So our, our goal is supporting entrepreneurs who want to start businesses in urban environments and try to grow businesses in urban environments and have some impact on how cities will grow. Uh, we spend a lot of time, you know, aspire, you know, working with aspiring entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. small businesses and mm-hmm. doing all kind of programs to help them grow, getting them counsel at the business school. You know, we run a lot of capacity-building programs. Mm-hmm. The goal really is to help business owners grow. Now, you you send, a, you send the word small business. You send the word entrepreneurship. Now, you say the word scholar. So what is the difference between you and SCORE and the SBA? No, I'm glad you asked that. So uh, 
our business school is mm-hmm. really anchor as an anchor institution in Newark, and many of the mm-hmm. larger universities around the country see themselves, and more people are starting to talk about them as anchor institutions. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to open the door of the anchor institution to help entrepreneurs grow, right. and it really is. Is, and we so if a government official wants to announce a new program, I invite them into the university. Yes, sir. If if SCORE wants to consult with an, with some entrepreneurs, I can help give them some space in the university to be able to do mm-hmm. that. A room. So we're sort of Switzerland in some respects to with a clear mission of just helping people grow. And we work with all type of entrepreneurs, the folks who are just starting out to companies that are, you know, really, uh, you know, trying to grow. You know, we had Richie Lou Dennis at our campus about, uh, you know, uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we go from, you know, the mom-and-pop startup who's, who's operating the restaurant down mm-hmm. the street or the print shop or the PR firm mm-hmm. to, you know, some of the billionaire now entrepreneurs or aspiring or close to being billionaire entrepreneurs uh, that we all know and respect, and we try to connect them. That's the, the whole thing. I, I just want to break it down a little bit because when you hear the word entrepreneur, you hear the word small business, it almost like a, a it's like a cloud. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I? Because everybody really works on the cycle that they just want a normal job. They want to come where, right. and then when you try, how do you start? You know, they're, they're dreamers. They're people who dream with no plan, which mostly why most businesses fail. They just want to start something but without a business plan. What is the first thing? Is the business plan the key? Just getting the business launched correctly? So, you know, it's interesting. I, I joke now that entrepreneur is now the cool word. So, I know. Uh, if, if, I, if I walk in, uh, you know, I heard a guy, you know, say he's, uh, you know, walked into a bar and said, I'm an entrepreneur. Or, you know, some people say, if you don't have a job now, you just say, I'm an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I make It used to be self employed. It used to be self employed. Right, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. It's, it's the cool word now, right? But for me, it's about, you know, having. A is solving a problem mm-hmm. that can generate a profit. Right. And so I am very specific about this. Now, there are all types. There's social entrepreneur. One of my colleagues and the co-director of my center mm-hmm. spends a lot of time on focusing on social entrepreneur, and I call myself a social entrepreneur sometimes as well. But really, the focus of entrepreneurship is solving a problem. I initially want to see what's the, what's the problem you solve, right. what's the need that you're going to fulfill, mm-hmm. and can you do it in a way that can generate profit? Because if you can't generate a profit, you won't, you know, you won't survive long. Not long. And it's not repeatable, and you can't scale it, and you can't raise capital against it. So you've got to figure out how either to generate a whole lot of revenue you know, like a la Amazon, mm-hmm. or, or you know, as quickly as possible. I always tell, especially entrepreneurs of color, mm-hmm. that we got to figure out how to how to make, you know, make a profit. I had a good friend who opened a restaurant recently, and I'm very, very uh, happy about encouraging him, being sort of a, a champion for his restaurant. But every day that I talk to him, if I send him a text, I say, be profitable. I hope you're being profitable. Great food, mm-hmm. but be profitable. Mm-hmm. A lot of people coming in, great Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. be profitable. <laughs> right, right. I know exactly what you're talking about. I had a comedy club like that. I worked yeah. That was lines around the corner. But, boy, the profitability was really break-even. And that's a really frustrating right. world that exists because you go, if I'm packed and I'm not making money, what am I doing wrong? And I was doing a lot of things wrong. 
man, I can't agree with you more. So I have, you know, I started my career as a lawyer. My parents were have been entrepreneurs mm-hmm. for forty years. Mm-hmm. I started my career as a lawyer. I, I worked for a few years as a lawyer, and I saved about seventy thousand dollars, and I started my own business. Right. And I realized that I was building, I was developing real estate in urban neighborhoods. Always been my passion to you know do work in the communities that you know I grew up in. And what I remember one day is I had this project that at the beginning it looked like I would generate about four hundred thousand dollars of profit. Right. But at the end it took me about three years to make that and a whole lot of hours. And I remember one day toward the end of the project, I was maybe a Saturday afternoon, I was at my desk and I did the math and I said, Man, you know what, I probably made eight dollars an hour, right? So I'm like, Wow, I gotta figure out a way to get in high margin Mm-hmm. high profitable industries so mm-hmm. that I can survive and grow and have the lifestyle that I wanted. Now, you lead the Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development. It's called the C-U-E-E-D at Rutgers University, right. which is in Newark, right. New Jersey. Now, it's going right. on 10 years. Is this any yeah. place else, Lanier? So, you know, look, we're excited. Um, we are just starting to do some work in Memphis. I do work in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done work in, in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Again, any place where there's uh, a community that's looking for how can the university open its doors mm-hmm. and support entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. and have measurable results. Again, over 70% of our entrepreneurs are people of color. Mm-hmm. 80% are still in business. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, there's a national rate that says 50% of small businesses fail after five years. We have rates that are 80% of these businesses are still surviving. Mm-hmm. They're generating more than a million dollars of revenue. Mm. They're increasing profits. You know, they're hiring people and doing deals together. So, you know, our goal, you know, our first 10 years is focused specifically on, on Newark and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. But we're hoping that the next 10 years of our work, we might partner with another university, maybe an HBCU or another Big Ten university mm-hmm. to, you know, expand both our curriculum and our philosophy about how to work with and grow entrepreneurs of color and entrepreneurs in an inner city area that can help it revitalize. Well, you're hitting all the right right buttons with me. 18 to 34, the entrepreneurship generation, HBCU schools. You know, I'm considered uh, the mentor for the, uh, yes. the generation, the voice of that generation yeah. because of the fact that I'm reaching out. And then I provide yes. a, a resume that says I'm the real deal. And with that Absolutely. being said, you, I want to I want to let you know the door's open. You know, oh, and that's I why I invited you on the show. I heard about the program through Kate Lucas told me about it, and I immediately yes. had my staff jump on it and say, "We got to bring this guy on," because you are paralleling exactly what I want to say. So, Absolutely. it has Great. to it has to be told to the HBCU campus. That's why I'm so happy that I'm on HBCU XM channel 142 now. So I'm directly communicating them. That my show runs twice a week on uh, HBCU channel channel 142 on XM Sirius. So so know that when you're talking to me. The word is being put out there. So please tell anybody how they can get in touch with you at the website so we can lock this down and just start that parade of information. Absolutely. So the easiest way to get in touch with me, I, I, my email is just Lanier, L-Y-N-E-I-R at gmail.com, L-Y-N-E-I-R at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I'm at the Rutgers Center for Urban Entrepreneurship and Economic Development. If just 
uh, Google Rutgers and C-U-E-E-D, mm-hmm. and you'll see all of our programs. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to mention we have programs for entrepreneurs who are creatives and technology entrepreneurs right. and mm-hmm. filmmakers, mm-hmm. so youth entrepreneurship programs. So please, I uh, would love to, to tell any one of your listeners more and, and be helpful <laughs> in any way that we can. Well, that's the key because of the fact that it is an expansive program, and the word entrepreneurship is such a layered term. And because of the fact that people use it in such a cavalier and it bounces between small business and entrepreneurship. And it really is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that you choose. And because of technology, it's providing you with such immediate information. And the fact that you're doing it 10 years and now you're starting to carry it out to different campuses. Please let me know so I can help promote you and, and market what you're doing through my social media platforms and my fan club platform, which is over 300,000 people. Lanier, I want to thank you for being on my show, my friend. Uh, hey, I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope to get invited back. You will be. You, you, you're you entrepreneurship king. Come on, cut. <laughs> thank you. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. As host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint that drives listeners to realize their dreams and aspirations. Until you do the business plan or incorporate or actually create that product or start selling products, the universe doesn't have to deal with you. Money Making Conversations is an innovative platform that delivers financial literacy to help everyone with their brand success. It's good to have a Money Making Conversation with somebody that make money. (laughs) Let me tell you about the host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald. He's a social media influencer. 80% of his 700,000 plus social media followers are female. He's a two-time Emmy Award winner, three-time NAACP Image Award winner, sitcom writer, stand-up comic, former IBM executive, and has a degree in mathematics. More importantly, Rashawn McDonald will use his business and celebrity relationships. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money Making Conversation. It's time for our next guest. She is the CEO of W.M. Stone Enterprises and the first African-American woman licensed to solely own a developmental and multicultural NASCAR team. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Melissa Harville LeBron. Good morning. Good morning. You talking about you? You were nervous, Melissa. How you doing, that Miss Nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I am fine. I am snow. I'm, we're we're becoming snowed in up here in New York once again. I know that's like the fourth major snowstorm. Correct? No, this is number five. Number oh God, one off. Number one off. <laughs> <laughs> I was there last week, so I'm glad I missed it. Now I want to, I want to bring up a quote right now. It says that right now you have the NASCAR you have a NASCAR team, which is the Wheeling All American Series that runs in the Wheeling All American Series Series Division One. I, I read your goal is to impact all forms of motorsports worldwide. Right now you're NASCAR. That's a big want. Why do you want to do that? That is true. That is true. But we've we've advanced since then. We also are in Camping World Truck Series. We're in the Nationals now. Okay. See, nobody updated my my information. So <laughs> okay. all I know is that you you're in NASCAR. Now you're in the Truck Series. So I'm just going yes, because this is a very expensive sport that you're doing, Melissa. So now you started in NASCAR. 
What made you want to go into the truck series? Going into the truck series is, it's like um, the beginning stages of nationals. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma um, it's, um, you know, you, that's where you start to stretch your legs and really start to feel the impact of how expensive the sport is, but also how lucrative the sport is as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can only elevate from there, which is going into the Xfinity series and yes, then up to, you know, the grand echelon of... Um, Monster Energy Series. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, it'd be amazing because I, because when I, when I, when uh, you got booked to the show, I immediately just started doing my homework because you know, all you, because there are so many levels of NASCAR. You know, the Dale L. Earnhardt and the Jimmy Johnson. That's NASCAR Cup, and uh, mm -hmm. and so and now you're in the Division One Series, like you say, you know, f learning the process, getting everything right, but still very, very expensive. I want to break everybody, and if you, since you have, you elevate your game so much, I'm going to just talk about the NASCAR team that I was aware of that you started with. <laughs> Let me see if this changed. Okay, you start, your original NASCAR racing team is the first ever to consist of two brothers from two different ethnicities and minority classes, hailing from the Northeast and under the age of 21, correct? That is correct. Okay. Well, now they're there. Yeah, you, you're a little behind in time because now they're, they're 22. I've never been behind the time. Okay. Listen, I've never been behind the time. I'm a, I'm a, a whoever, okay. I'm a whoever <laughs> booked this. I'm going to get on them now. Now, your, your, your crew team, you have an active duty Marine whose pit crew has active and disabled veterans. <laughs> I, 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 the, the great thing about that was that when I say about the disabilities and you know, you really want to give everybody a shot of of, 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 of getting recognized that they can do the job, too. And that's important to your brand, correct? Very much so. And uh, and then you have, a, you, have a, you have a first experience and celebrated driver, like I said, with a disability. You're currently developing two female drivers for the developmental series. Okay. Yes. Why is that important? Female drivers. I know Dana Kilpatrick. Female drivers. Well, you know, there you don't see any female drivers in NASCAR. We had Danica. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I shouldn't say any. You see very few, yes, but you do not see any women of color mm -hmm. behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm in a very unique position yes, where I'm able to nurture and develop the careers of young women who want to race just as much as everybody else, but they don't know how to get started. So I have been, oh, my God, overwhelmed with so many phone calls. I know. And, you know, just, you know, I've always dreamed of racing, how I get started. Um, you know, people thought I was crazy. And then I see you and you affirm my belief that, you know, I can do it as well. So we are looking to develop new talent and bring new talent to to the track and you know if i'm the segue i'm the segue you know god put me on this path for a reason <laughs> well you know so. the, the interesting thing about it you know when, when they make a mistake that's a crash so you know, <laughs> you know that's that's the that's a difficult part of bringing people along and making because it's about expenses about skill set how do you recruit how do you look at new talent how does that work in your world um we're, very, we're meticulous in, in who we align ourselves yes, with. Um, I've had a couple of suggestions, um, I should say recommendations from NASCAR um, that would, you know, make our team well-rounded. They were very talented drivers that mm -hmm. did not have an opportunity. Um, more so, I believe it was because they didn't 
truly know how to market them. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, they're, they're having some marketing issues now. Right. Um, trying to relate to our culture. Um, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate for them, but it is wonderful for us because we can communicate to our demographics and, you know, usher them into the sport easily um, because, you know, we are a true reflection of our communities that, mm-hmm. that we represent. You know, it's really interesting because I've been, I'm a big fan of NASCAR. I've been, you know, Jeff Gordon, all-time fan, fan of Jeff Gordon. And I've been, to <laughs> the, I've been to the tracks. And I know there has been a pressing need because I'm based in Atlanta. So I know it's always been a pressing need or, or desire to get more African-Americans and more minorities to attend these events. And, and what, what, how do you help that out? How do you, how do you communicate? Like, this is a, this is a great forum. I'm an African-American and my audience is predominantly African-American. So people are hearing about your brand and, and, and I want them to get excited. I want them to go to the sport going there other than just to see you. Why would an individual want to attend the sport? Oh my gosh. NASCAR is the most physically exhilarating sport. Um, ever. I tell people all the time, I said, if you don't, they're like, oh, it's just going in around a circle <laughs> and they have an occasional crash. I said, are you kidding me? Every time those in that whoosh goes by with that giraffe, I said, you feel it. It rattles it your really toes. Does. It really does. You know, I said, you know, it's exciting. You know, you really are waiting there with bated breath, waiting for the next, the next go around to feel the, the roar of those engines. I said, you know, and everybody's there for the exact same purpose. It's unity. <laughs> Absolutely. It really is. Cause you know, it's really interesting. Cause if you just look and look at one spot and just watch those cars, just come in front of your eyesight and leave your eyesight. It's really a blur. It's really a blur. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, it's amazing. You know, you know, we drive around in, in the streets, you know, 35 miles an hour, might get up to 75 miles an hour. They have no clue to how fast these people are going. And they have to, and they got other people right next to them, in front of them, right behind them. That's a skill set that is amazing to me. And scary. That's right. All this, that's right. You know, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from 100 and, 85 to 200 miles per hour and i mean there's about the 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 space of a a hair (laughs) sometimes sometimes they ride on top of each other but it is i mean it oh it's an amazing sport here's the funny thing about it here's the funny because i'm doing my little research you know about nascar now nascar tires don't have treads on them no and but but but, you know in the streets they tell us we got to have treads on our tires (laughs) <laughs> and, and but they said that with not having treads causes the car to grip better. That's so right. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, now why I don't have my tires go bald? I got to change them <laughs> <laughs> in the street. NASCAR ball is in. You want a ball tire? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That you want your tires to be as gummy as possible. That's why you see them zigzagging. They warm those tires up because they need to be able to grip. You know. There's the physics and the aerodynamics that go into keeping that, that car, that race car, at that rate of speed on the track, on the ground, mm-hmm. and it not going airborne. Right. Now, here's the thing. Okay, now, because I think, you know, we, 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 we're getting in a groove now, Melissa. Okay. <laughs> your, your, your first experience, your first sponsored race was February 16th. Walk me through yeah. the whole process a little bit here and the listeners about, you know, getting the team there. Where were you at emotionally 
and how exhausting was you at the end of the event? Okay, so we had been preparing for this for since the year before last. So it mm-hmm. was really just a matter of activation. Mm-hmm. It was 16 days, literally, from the time I... You know, I met the team that would run my race for me, mm-hmm. or run my race with me, to the time we got on a track. It mm-hmm. was 16 days. So we were prepared to no end. I I told, I I was telling people, I said, I said, I feel like I'm getting married again, where I didn't get a chance to enjoy the wedding. I was <laughs> so glad to get the first one over and done with, because there was so much preparation. Yes, and it is. is emotionally and physically taxing on you, you know, because... People are watching, as, even though we didn't do a lot of uh, press for it, but people that knew that we were coming, and even myself, I, I said, you know, I don't want to publicize it, right. and then we have a mistake. I said, so if we're going to make any mistakes, you know, let's do it kind of, you know, you know, without all the eyes on us, and, you know, we'll troubleshoot, troubleshoot and then go back Very to smart. it, and then really hit it and, and publicize it. You know, but it was a lot. It was from getting the uniforms, getting the driver's seat done, getting the driver, the the logistics of it all. It it was a lot. It was a lot. When I tell you I was exhausted, all I could do was pray. Mm-hmm. All I could do was pray. All I could do was pray. I but, asked but, God. But, but, but let me ask you this, Melissa. How did you get involved? I got to ask that question because, you know, you know, this is NASCAR. This is not uh, NBA, NFL, baseball. This is NASCAR, predominantly whites attended sport. How did you get excited about it? How did you get engaged? Overall, or just for the race day? Just, just try to you get the NASCAR to- team to say, "I want to, I want in. Oh. I want to, I want to commit my well, money." My original background is in the music industry. Yes, ma'am. I've always been. Um, I've always had some type of involvement from being an intern to actually working for a music label. Mm -hmm. My job was artist development. I came to NASCAR through literally an artist development deal. I was Mm -hmm. asked to work on a project for an aspiring driver. Mm -hmm. I was producing an anthem track for this aspiring driver. Unbeknownst to me, the driver was having some marketing issues with NASCAR and they needed some assistance. We developed a marketing plan that was presented to NASCAR at an executive board meeting. So, you know, that was straight to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really broke down the value of of having this driver. It broke down how to approach a demographic that NASCAR is is um, not represented in at all, and also being able to sustain this new demographic that's amazing. I want to thank you. Can you come back on my show? Oh, just, you're motivating. You know that already because you're a groundbreaker. <laughs> and you keep, and you, you when you get dig out of that snow, I want you to text me so we can talk off air because you're brilliant, oh, fantastic. Keep winning. Melissa, Money Making Conversation loves you. <laughs> now, my next guest, I saw him last Thursday. I was in D.C. He was being celebrated. And you should celebrate this young man I have on the phone right here because I'm telling you, the reaction and the uplift, and we're going to talk about that, to him it's been amazing. He's the CEO and executive chairman of Sundial Brands, founder and chairman of Essence Ventures, <clears throat> Essence Ventures, which includes Essence Magazine and Essence Festival. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Richard Lou Dennis. 
Good morning. How you doing, there, sir? I am fantastic. And yourself? Great. I know you. Now I saw you last week, and um, I just got to say this. Uh, I was sitting in the audience. The audience that was dominant with females. Uh, it was being put on by Sheila Eldridge, and of course, we also was being uh, honored was uh, Michelle Ebanks, uh, who's the president of Essence Magazine. When you come in a room like that, Rich, emotionally, they, it, it, you know, it, people are so proud that a black person has repurchased Essence Magazine and Essence Festival. What responsibility yeah. comes with that? Well, you know, the, the, the responsibilities that come with that are, are, are actually um, challenges that I think we all live with day in, day out. Yes, sir. They just become more elevated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the biggest challenge is that we are, um, we are in a, uh, a battle for our culture. Yes, sir. Right? In a, in a battle to um, own our narrative in a battle to establish um, ourselves as, as entrepreneurs and as um, business leaders and in as much as anybody else uh, can be considered a business leader. So, you know, those, those pressures, those challenges, those responsibilities, I think we all uh, face in day in, day out, um, but they become elevated when, um, you know, when you do it on a national stage. And so, now what we've got to do is make sure that uh, we're delivering for our culture, delivering for our people, and, and providing a pathway so that our youth can see, can see how this journey, too, is theirs. It was interesting. What, my biggest takeaway from you is that you're willing to share. You're a real community guy. It's about the community. It's about family. It's about paying it forward. What did that, what did that, where did those values come from? Yeah, you know, I was uh, raised by a single mother, mm-hmm. um, and she was raised by a single mother. And, you know, I had the good fortune of watching my mother and yes, my sir. grandmother um, use the communities that we lived in mm-hmm. to raise us, mm-hmm. leverage the communities that we come from to ground us in culture, to ground us in ethics, to ground us in mission, and to ground us in purpose. And so that was ingrained with me from a very early age. And I was able to see how, as a community, how investing in ourselves, in, 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 in partnering with each other, and giving each other opportunities, and I think most importantly, in trusting each other. Yes, sir. Um, she was able to do things with us um, that she would not have been able to do on her own. Now and... Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it was really, because it was, it was really amazing in the room, because when you said, you know, you were raised by a single mom, it was like applause just broke out. Yes! You know, it, it, yeah. you know you, 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 you're delivering so many slices of life and so many levels of uplift for so many women. That, that's what it, it was like. I'm telling you something, man, watching you command that room and watching people look at you, it's really you, you. You got something special happening around you. I'm sure you're aware of that, correct? Yeah. Well, you know, the the, the thing is, it's that um, you know now, fortunately, yes, sir. Um, many people get to get to experience it because, as I said, it's it's much more known, right? What we're doing now, we've been doing the same thing 
for, you know, 27 years. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> you buy instance now everybody say where this guy come from <laughs> exactly you know um, but but what we now have the good fortune of is 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 scale right and 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 visibility and and a platform right. you know that we can now that we can now share this from um and an audience that is now um engaged in and 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 is 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 Acknowledging uh, the journey that we're on, and, and so now our job is to is to bring more and more people into this journey, and to and to spread the message so that so that they too can can figure out what their role is. Because there's a role here for all of us, right? And 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 not only is there a role for all of us, we all must play a role. You know, right. you're playing a role. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm playing a role. We all must play a role because. If we don't do that, then we're weaker as a community. If we play a role and if we step up and, 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 and shoulder the responsibilities for each other, mm-hmm. then we now have an opportunity to go out and compete and to win and to use each other to create this ecosystem that will allow us to win. You know, um, right now, we're, we're all doing it independently. We've uh-huh. got to do it collectively. You know, it's really timing's everything. Because I, I, I get a weekly, I get, uh, I'm on the Essence uh, mailer. I get the emails okay. and the updates and all that stuff. And when yeah. and when when you purchased it, it was like it had people. It felt like the the email was dancing and celebrating. You know, like it was email was like <laughs> yeah 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 we back we back we back we black we back. You know, it was like really exactly. it really was a and in time and everything. Then you come right on to that Black Panther run. You know what I'm saying? And I know there's a lot of, you know, police issues that we have out there in the streets that we're trying to deal with. We, we're protesting. But to see, to celebrate what you guys are doing, to see that we can achieve this level of success and positivity, knowing you have this strong digital presence with Essence, knowing you got, you know, this over 1.6 million, I believe, uh, monthly subscribers to the magazine, that platform, the social media platform, you have arrived in a, in, in a place that, I'm sure it kind of, did it take you back, the, the reaction? Because everything's, you knew what you were buying, but the emotional uplift to this, to this country and to the, to the female populace was amazing, man. I, I have to say that I didn't expect it. I, when, it when you made the deal, I was impressed. I said, go for it. But the, but the emotional reaction has been amazing, sir. Yeah, I think, I think you know, you're, you're, you, you can never... You can never underestimate mm-hmm. the um, the power of freedom. Yes, sir. Right, and the power of liberation, and that's what that's what we saw, and that's what we experienced. We saw we saw women celebrating mm-hmm. um, their voices yes, being liberated, their platform being liberated, their their um, uh, uh, their callings now. Um, being front and center by them and for them, and so you know, yeah, it was it was really really exciting. Congratulations! And, and I think, yeah, thank you. And I think, but I think what's important now mm-hmm. is that we don't stop at the celebration. There you go. Right? <laughs> you know, the cel- the celebration was just was just the ticket for admissions. And, then, now and I, I got go that from and, you though. You you're not a guy. Yeah. You know, you're not a celebrator. You know, you're like okay, let's okay, let's put down the champagne glasses. We got work to do. Exactly. 
you've exactly. got a lot of work to do yeah. because you're a we visionary. Got a lot of work to do. A visionary. Before I go any further, I want to talk about a couple of things that really caught my eye, my, my ear, when I was watching you speak in D.C. It was a program called New Voices uh, for Women of Entrepreneurship yeah. Opportunities for Women of Color. Can you expound on that? Yeah. Yeah, so one of the one of the, the, the things that we've um, found as we've been building uh, the Sundial business has been, and, and you know this as, as well as probably every single one of your listeners, uh, the challenges that we have as entrepreneurs of color in raising capital. Right. And the disparity within which um, we have access to capital. And so as we've become, you know, more and more, um, as we've grown more and more and, and, and we've become more and more successful, our model has been what we call community commerce, and mm-hmm. that is reinvesting your profits where you make your profits. So we make our profits in, 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 uh, in, in black communities around the globe, mm-hmm. and so what we do is we invest back in those communities um, with, 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 with the, the profits that we make. And so... Um, understanding the challenges of building a business, uh, uh, just being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and understanding the challenges of being a black entrepreneur, yes, and sir. understanding the challenges that go beyond that for, for, for women of color entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, who have even less access to capital, mm-hmm. um, we decided that uh, we, would, we would put a fund together, um, partnered with Unilever on this, put a fund together, a $100 million fund, to invest in women of color entrepreneurs because we're never going to have the economic stability that we need in our communities when the women in our communities aren't economically independent. Now, and so we want to... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. When I would say the, the first thing people are going to go, is, is this going to be a shock tank type participation? How does one, and it may be early in the stage of conversation here, how would one be able right. to become a, a participant? Yeah, so um, it is early, um, but what we're now doing is saying uh, go to uh, the New Voices Fund, okay, thenewvoicesfund.com, mm-hmm. and you can submit your information there. Um, we're gathering that information now. People are submitting their, their, their business plans, their, um, uh, 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 their, their pitch decks, and then those then get reviewed. Um, we have not officially um, launched the uh, launch yet, but it's good to, to, to get uh, your information in ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll start evaluating those and reaching out um, to those to those that uh, uh, have presented plans that are interesting. You know, our key focus is, is your business um, going to be a profitable business, yes. right? Um, mm-hmm. And then... So you start there, but also, what is its contribution back to our communities? What is its contribution back to our society? The how back. is it moving? Yeah, mm-hmm. how is it moving us forward? Mm-hmm. Right, because it's not just about being able to create a business that enriches oneself. It's about being able to create a business that enriches our community. Something else you told me, like you was talking to me personally, and you said, "I'm sorry." But, <laughs> You were talking about growing the community uh, in Africa, you know, the, the above their poverty line. You know, what is the goal there? And and we all know that you have a poverty line, living below that, that's not even living. 
So what is the mission there and what is the plan there? We talked about the, uh, the, the, the new Voices program here that you're developing with $100 million. It's at the early stages, but you can go to the website and start filling out your application. What about this new com- this program that you're developing uh, over there? Yeah, so so as I said earlier, our business model is, is called community commerce, right? And it's the philosophy that you invest your profits where you make your profits. Yes, sir. Um, our our uh, one of our you know Shea Butter is a big big part of our of our brand. It, yes, sir. It is the brand. Yes, sir. Um, and uh, it is it is uh, harvested by uh, by uh, very very poor women in Africa, mm-hmm. and so when we started this 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 um, this business, um, my grandmother was one of those women mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, that uh, was harvesting local produce and turning them into into products. And so what we wanted to do was to move women like my grandmother uh, up the value chain, so that they're not just gathering nuts and selling nuts for pennies. Um, but that they're actually able to create products out of that that can sell at a higher dollar value, yes, sir. which then help them right, rise above the um, uh, uh, the poverty cycles that persist in those in those communities. And by the way, um, I I always want to point out to people that even though we live in the wealthiest country on the planet, mm-hmm. there are still there are still millions of young children in this country that go to bed hungry every night, mm-hmm. go to school hungry every day, mm-hmm. right? So, so poverty is not limited to, uh, um, to Africa alone in our communities. We have poverty right here. And so, so that's, we're trying to solve those problems holistically mm-hmm. with the New Voices Fund to create uh, uh, generational wealth yes, for uh, women of color here, mm-hmm. but then also with um, with our community commerce programs in Africa to provide those women an opportunity to uh, create value-added products that we can then sell here and reinvest back into them so that they, they too can rise above poverty. So what we now have is about 16,000 women that are currently impacted uh, by this by this effort, and we're looking to scale that to two hundred thousand over the next year. Two hundred thousand, two years. Yeah, two hundred thousand. Congratulations. Um, thank you, man. Thank you. But you know, it's also congratulations to your listeners. They're the ones that buy our products. They're the ones that enable us to make these investments, and, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that I think need to hold other companies accountable so that they're investing their profits back where they're making their profits, right? And they're making their profits in our community. So. Um, so that's 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 what the community commerce program is. Um, and that's a, you know the amazing thing that. about this, Rich, is that um, you keep everything as a team. You know, I, you know, I make a product, you buy the product, I reinvest. That's a team effort. Exactly. That's that's a three sixty exactly. plan, and that's why you win exactly. it. Exactly. You know, you you got a three sixty plan with Essence magazine. You got a three sixty plan with Essence Festival, where five hundred thousand people attend that every year. You know, yep. you have a 360 plan with Sundial Brands. You keep giving yeah. back, man. Uh, I want to thank you for coming yeah. on my show. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. And, and we have and, to stay in touch, Rich. Things. We got to stay in touch, my man. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. As host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint that drives listeners to realize their dreams and aspirations. Until you do the business plan or incorporate or actually create that product or start selling products, 
The universe doesn't have to deal with you. Money Making Conversations is an innovative platform that delivers financial literacy to help everyone with their brand success. It's good to have a money making conversation with somebody that make money. <laughs> usually. Let me tell you about the host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald. He's a social media influencer. 80% of his 700,000 plus social media followers are female. He's a two-time Emmy Award winner, three-time NAACP Image Award winner, sitcom writer, stand-up comic, former IBM executive, and has a degree in mathematics. More importantly, Rashawn McDonald will use his business and celebrity relationships to empower small businesses with information to succeed. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You listen to Money Making Conversation. He is on the phone. I know because we just crack jokes together. My next guest had a had a 14-year NFL career as a quarterback and a very good Pro Bowl quarterback. He was a number one pick in the NFL draft, and you know, number one. Since retirement, he is the founder of Bledsoe Capital Group and co-founder of Doubleback Winery in Walla Walla Valley in the state of Washington. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Drew Bledsoe. Good morning, Rashawn. How are you, man? Drew, you got that, man. You got that, that, that cold voice, Drew. Hey man, you, this is, hey, man. Uh, you know, you know, it's uh, it's it's, it's, it's not early out here, but we we got in really late last night from a okay. spring break trip with the family, so it feels okay. a little early. So I got my coffee going, but I don't know. I kind of like the morning voice. You know, you're on the it's, it's you know, on the, on, hey, the, on the radio. I can, can borrow that voice. morning voice from you sometimes, Drew. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Hey, Drew, before we get started, man, I was looking at your bio. I know you're the big name, but I got to give some props to your wife. Uh, you know, she she plays a major role in the winery. Uh, can you tell my listeners exactly the role she plays in the business? Yeah, you know, it's it's really enjoyable for us to be able to work together on this project. You know, when I, when I was playing football, it was all about me. Right. You know, and, 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 for, and for us, after I retired, we were able to do this together. Mm-hmm. She has a huge, imp, a huge impact on our business in multiple ways. She's uh, she serves as a, as a you know a board member, um, helps us direct what we're doing, uh, both from what we're making, how we're selling, you know, what how we're going to market, uh, and then the other thing she does that, that's that's hugely important is she's got a great palate. So when we do our blending trials to figure out what's ultimately going to go into a bottle of wine, she mm. gets the final she gets the final vote, um, and so far she's uh, she's done a great job. So, so that I don't want to slow everybody down because you know somehow you come from that audience of beer drinkers. So that's your fan base. And now you're in the wine business. Is that is that something that's part of your your history, or something that you got into as you were playing football, looking at the next step in your life? Can you give us a little background on why you are in the winery business? Yeah, yeah, you know, because you're 100 percent right. So I mean, I grew up in I grew up in in wheat farming country, and then I went to school at Washington State University. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this beer drinking country, and it's, <laughs> and, and, and it's, and it's uh, you know, and the same thing, you know, with the, with the fan base in the NFL, but. Uh, the thing that, that that happened though, when when I got into the league, and, yes, and uh, is that I, I discovered that there were a lot of uh, a lot of guys on my team, especially early on with the Patriots, that really wanted to try something different. And so we started drinking wine and talking about it. And, mm. and the and the thing that would surprise most people is the guys that that got into it the most with me were linebackers. You know, so, you know Teddy Bruschi and Ted Johnson and Mike Brabel and. And then uh, my you know, a couple of my linemen, Bruce Armstrong, a big wine guy, and love still, Teddy Bruschi, you know, Mike. Oh, yeah, love those guys, man. Well, Bruce Armstrong should be in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but that's another subject for another mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd, you'd be kind of surprised that we would get together, and I would tell those guys to bring over a 
fancy bottle of wine, and I would bring something from my little hometown out here in Walla Walla. Right. And we would put them in paper bags, and we would blind taste them, you know, just being complete, you know, wine dorks. And, and, uh, and we so would these, go tough, them, these tough football players. Oh, you know? absolutely. Oh, you would, yeah, you would Because you said linebackers. You know, linebackers, they move forward. They don't move backwards when they play they football. They don't. And, but then all of a sudden you got one of these big tough guys with his little pinky finger out, <laughs> swirling wine in a wine glass. But, but the cool thing, when we did that, I would bring some wine from my hometown and we would yes, put sir. them in paper bags and we would win. You mm-hmm. know, but I would bring these, these wines that, that nobody had ever heard of and we would win the competition. So that, that kind of got my mind working and thinking right. maybe that would be a that would be a potential career after I was done uh, playing. Okay, ball. now now that's you hanging out with the fellows. Now, when did you move your wife into saying, "Okay, I think we may have something"? Was was she the you know because you know I'm married, so I know the the, the role that a wife can play because there's sometimes the light bulb will go off faster with them than with me sometimes. You know, so how how did she come into play? Because like you said, when it comes to running the business, the board, the palate. How does she play a role in that next step? Well, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing, and, and she and I both had this, this same fear uh, because we had seen people as they've made that transition out yes, of sir. professional sports and mm-hmm. into the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of guys that really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I looked at, um, at that, it was, I mean, it was scary. You know, I was in the middle of my career, and, you know, but you know, playing professional sports, I mean, is it's the coolest thing you could ever possibly do. Man, <laughs> I loved every, I loved every second of it, and I'd go back and do it all over again. But one of the the hard parts is that that, that if you're really really fortunate, which I was, you get to play until your mid thirties, and right. then they show you the door, and and, and you you've got to figure out what to do with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both both afraid of that. And, I, and she, uh, when I when I first of all when I retired from football, she challenged me really hard. Uh, as to whether I was ready to to retire, whether I was ready to not do that anymore, mm-hmm. um, she she pushed back on me really hard. But then once I did, um, you know, I think we both knew that uh, that I was going to need to be, um, you know, I was going to need to be productive. I was going to need to have something that that was engaging to me, you know, and uh, and so she was entirely supportive of 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 uh, you know this wine business. And plus, you know, it's it's enjoyable and something that she was passionate about right. uh, as well. So. Mm-hmm. It worked out really well, and then the you know, the other part is that she she just she knew I was going to be I have to be out of the house, or she was going to kill me. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> if I was around too much. If I was around too much, it was not going to work very well. So, um, but uh, no, it was really a thing that we that we designed and built and and grew together, and and now we have a lot of fun with it. Okay, great. Uh, before we go uh, any further, I want to talk. I read this big old article on in, uh, it was on ESPN dot com. It was talking about NBA players how they have an affection for wine. And it was really, and, I, and to hear you talk, so it's really, I, I like bringing it up because you, athletes in general have this certain vision of being tough or being a guy that, you know, you use the words man's man. And, and when you hear wine, you know, my wife's a big wine drinker. You know, I got, you know, she, 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 she looks at it from a certain different, a, a different angle. And when I when you, you hear that, when I got excited about the whole prospect of you know you're talking about LeBron James, Chris Paul, all these are big time wine drinkers. When you I don't know if you're familiar with that story. Does that when you hear stories like they get out there, does it help your your brand? Does it help your industry? And how do you use that to like market? Or can you use that to market your your brand? One hundred percent, and we encourage you know now you know one of the one of the reasons you know that that guys are are. Uh, or go in that direction, yes, sir. Because it's it, it's healthier. It's it's actually good for you. And there's some studies out there. I mean, there there's a, there's a, 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 a recent study that, that that needs to be shared everywhere. That if you drink more wine, you live longer. Um, and uh, so 
uh, so, so, so I need I need to catch up with my wife. That's what you're saying. Abs- ab- absolutely. <laughs> other, other, yeah. You know, you don't want her. You don't want her to be lonely. You know, so, so, but you got to live as long as she does. That so means you got to drink a lot of wine. Because she gonna have some money now. She gonna have some money. That's the sad part. I, that, I, I am officially gonna start sampling with her from now on. My friend. There you go. I love it. I love it. But uh, no, it's it's extremely helpful for our business. Matter of fact, LeBron uh, took uh, took great care of me. A, a, what a year and a half ago. During the playoffs, there was a they do uh, the NFL. I think it was NBC did a little uh, did a little blurb on our winery, and uh, LeBron sent uh, sent a tweet asking me for some wine, and and uh, awesome. that that that, that awesome. certainly it certainly helped some sales. So I I obviously sent him off a couple bottles to uh, to try and. Uh, but yeah, it's no, it's definitely beneficial, and and um, you know, it's a just it's an it's an interesting beverage. It's different, to, you know, at least to me, it's different from uh, from beer, whiskey. It's just it's it's got a, a complexity and some you know, interesting aspects to it, and it just really it really elevates a meal when you sit down and have a glass. Now, of wine I, I know, I know, you're in the big in, in the Washington, which is the northwest part of the country. Uh, C.J. McCullum, Portland Trail Blazers, is a big wine drinker, and uh, Damian Leonard. They was in that same article, so just letting you know, LeBron Wilber in Cleveland, some some boys right there in Oregon, you might want to drop a couple of bottles of wine because they's a big wine drink. Because I know it's all about relationship. That social media is so powerful, you can take those screenshots and just share them and all that good stuff. So that's a that's a big move by LeBron because he is by far the most powerful athlete in in the world in the in the in the sport of football, in the sport of basketball, in the sport of baseball that america has to offer so let's talk about your 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 vineyards my friend you and uh and you launched uh double back and the state focused winery that produces world-class uh cabernet from the walla walla valley so is it about the soil because i i I was doing my research i was was trying to get ready for you drew i was trying to get ready for you man yeah no it's it is it's it's about two things it's about your soil and about your weather in our climate we're in we're in a high desert climate Mm. Um, and so what we get are these long, hot summer days. We get really cool nights, and we've got this deep, porous soil with, you know, with, uh, you know, rainfall that only happens in the winter. In the summertime, we can control it. And so you just have all this confluence of events mm-hmm. uh, that allows us uh, to grow some of the best wine grapes in the entire world. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, a, a McDonald name is going to pop up in your wine club. I'm not going to say her first name, but it's going to pop up. It's going to have McDonald. That will be my wife. Sir, okay, I love it. and I so love it. Uh, so when you see that McDonald, you say this is Rashawn's wife. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. better give up some wine <laughs> because she loves it. I like I said, uh, this, this I know she's gonna tease me about this interview because of the fact that I, I just try to bring attention to people who are doing successful things. You're you're a great family man. I I followed your career. Been a big fan. You you know uh, just to, just just seeing you make this transition and. And, and, and building a business, building a brand, and a legacy for your kids is not tied to athletics. That's amazing, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I had, I had, I had uh, great role models. None of us, you know, nobody out there that's successful that gets there on their own. I had great role models in my parents and some great coaches. And, and, uh, and then since I, you know, one of the things that I've encouraged um, other athletes to do that's been so amazingly helpful to me is that I've got a group of business mentors now. And everything that I do in our business, I have, um, you know, eight or nine guys that I can go to. You need. 
need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. So, go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. 